covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. And we do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. We are powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Have you the next uh, hour or so, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. We'll see how long we end up going as we go through the program today. Our featured guest will be Adam Rigg from the Brewer Nation, the first ever guest here on the podcast, and somebody who uh, very much uh, supports the podcast and we like being able to have on as often as possible. So Adam will be joining us coming up in uh, just a few minutes. First and foremost, uh, if you uh, ever want to get in contact with me, you can do so. Follow me on Twitter. Tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air is uh, the Twitter handle. And for folks that listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast, if you can take a moment and uh, leave a uh, rating, review, ranking, whatever it is, uh, that helps out the podcast a lot. So we'd appreciate you if you would be able to do uh, that. Last week on the show, we spent some time talking about uh, the players that the Brewers would end up adding uh, onto the 40-man ro- uh, yeah, 40-man roster to be able to avoid them being uh, susceptible to being picked in the Rule 5 draft. And the four players who were picked were the four players we pretty much expected. There were some outliers in there that we thought maybe there was a slight chance uh, the Brewers might uh, want to uh, protect some other individuals. But with as much talent as is in the system right now, the spots on the 40-man roster are really, really valuable. And at the end of the day, Mauricio Debon, who's an infielder, catcher Jacob Nottingham, and then pitchers Freddie Peralta and Marcos Diplon are all added to the 40-man roster. Not a whole lot to say about this. The, there, was, there was not a scenario where those four did not get added to the 40-man roster, but it just continues to show you uh, the really the excitement about this this minor league system and the prospects that continue to make their way through and the fact that we're able to talk about this following a season where the team was very good at the major league level yet they still have so much talent that's uh, on the way from the minor league level continues to just show you that this organization is absolutely in great shape and for some of these guys it's going to be a little while till we see them uh, in Brewers uniforms others probably this year I think Mauricio Dubon is uh, somebody who will absolutely be a Milwaukee Brewer at some point over the course of this upcoming season. Uh, Freddie Peralta is somebody who maybe makes it uh, to Milwaukee before the season is done. In fact, when the Brewers are struggling to find uh, pitchers this past year at the end of the season, uh, they're uh, following the injury to uh, to Jimmy Nelson and just everything else that went down uh, in the starting rotation. There were some people out there speculating that, hey, you know, Freddie Peralta is already going to get a 40-man roster spot during the course of the offseason. Why not give him one at the end of the year and have him come up and make a start? That ended up not happening. Uh, but I think there's probably probably a better than a 50-50 shot uh, that we will see Freddie Peralta wearing a Brewers uniform at some point this upcoming year. I would think that uh, Marcos Diplin, Jacob, Jacob Nottingham are both uh, a little bit further away, although there's an outside shot that Nottingham could make it up and make his big league debut this upcoming season as well. Again, we are going to be joined by uh, Adam Rigg. He is uh, the he is the Brewer Nation, so uh, we'll talk with him coming up in just a little bit, both in our social media conversation and when we go down on the farm. But first, let's get to uh, this week's Headlines of the Week. 
It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. The top headline is what we were just talking about. Uh, the four players who were uh, placed onto the 40-man roster in Mauricio Devon, Freddie Peralta, Marcos Diplan, and Jacob Nottingham. Not a whole lot to say about that uh, beyond what I said about it in the uh, opening segment. But those four are all now on the 40-man roster, making them one step closer to uh, joining the Major League roster. Uh, some startling news coming out of uh, the Brewers as uh, minor league infielder Javier Betancourt. He suffered a gunshot wound during an incident in uh, Venezuela. Uh, according to Adam McAlvey of Brewers.com, uh, we spoke with Brewers general manager David Stearns. Uh, Stearns said uh, Major League Baseball security is investigating the matter. Evidently, there might have been some sort of uh, altercation or incident and uh, that he ended up getting shot. Uh, Stearns said to McAlvey, quote, We are aware of the incident, and MLB security is investigating further. Javier's injuries are not life-threatening, and he is resting comfortably. At this point, we are evaluating further treatment options. No word yet, and obviously his uh, ability to play baseball is second to his health when you're talking about a guy who was uh, shot but uh, no word yet on uh, how this might affect his ability to be uh, playing baseball moving forward. Now, uh, the one thing we can say is he had been playing uh, winter ball, and you can pretty much assume that that is not going to uh, happen. Also, another uh, report from uh, Adam McAlvey, uh, the Brewers have signed former Oakland A's reliever Michael Brady to a minor league contract that includes an invite to uh, big league spring training, and uh, he's somebody who, uh, again, he was with uh, the Oakland A's and uh, made his uh, got to uh, the A's uh, this past year year in 31 and two-thirds innings he appeared in 16 games 33 hits seven home runs had a 5.68 era however he does have a good uh, strikeout to walk ratio and he's uh, someone who's really going to use a uh, cutter so uh, we'll see what this bullpen looks like there's still a lot of questions in the air about uh, where who they're going to have in the bullpen you know the biggest question is whether or not Anthony Swarzak is going to be back if they can uh, if they will pay the price that it's going to take to get uh, Swarzak after he had a very good season but I would think they're going to be pretty active with uh, with relief pitchers bringing in uh, a number of them and this probably isn't going to be the final guy who signs a minor league contract with an invite to spring training and the Brewers might be a very good situation for individuals like that uh, because of uh, there, there might be some jobs available in the bullpen, so individuals who can't find a big league contract might look at the Brewers' situation as a good one that they can go uh, compete for a job. The only downside of that is if you don't make the team and you do uh, go to the minor leagues, you have to pitch at Colorado Springs, and not a whole lot of people want to do that, but uh, just pitching in the Pacific Coast League can be a tough thing overall. All right, those are uh, this week's headlines of the week. Again, uh, kind of a slow developing off season. We have not really gotten going uh, in this off season, which seems kind of funny because it seems like a long time ago that the Brewers' season came to an end. But uh, this thing should start to pick up here sooner than later. We'll uh, have Adam Rigg. He uh, joins us for our social media conversation and our uh, down on the farm segment, and uh, that gets rolling right now. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. 
Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We do continue on with you. My name is Matt Pauly. I'm very happy to uh, welcome in a guy. I always affectionately refer to him as the executive uh, producer of this podcast as he helps us out in uh, so many ways, especially when we're getting things going, putting together our uh, roster of guests here in the social media conversation. Uh, He is, really, he is the Brewer Nation. He is Adam Rigg from the Brewer Nation. Adam, always good to talk to you. How are you doing today? Matt, I am fine. I had a good Thanksgiving weekend and ready to get back at it this week and hopefully you know, we see some news here before the winter meetings start up. What's your uh, what's your side of choice for Thanksgiving dinner? Well, um, I'm a big cranberry sauce guy. I like, I like that. It's got to be on the table. Um, but I'm also very particular about my mashed potatoes. I like to have turkey gravy as opposed to, and I know that's obvious for Thanksgiving, but I'm a turkey gravy guy all year round. So if you can get me some mashed potatoes and turkey gravy and some uh, cranberry sauce, I'm doing all right. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's jump into a little bit of baseball now. And uh, you just made reference to the fact that haven't seen a whole lot uh, quite yet. There was a, a minor league signing that's been uh, reported. There's been some guys added to the 40-man roster to make sure that they can't get picked up in the Rule 5 draft. But really across baseball, it has been a uh, really a slow start to the offseason. And you figure once there's a, a big signing or two, things will start happening uh, fast and furious. Hey, let me ask you this. Our, I, th- I think I've asked other guests this over the past couple of weeks. I feel like this offseason around baseball is starting slower than most offseasons. Am I a prisoner of the moment, or would you agree with that? I think it's a little bit of the moment. Um, we, we typically see maybe a name or two sign early. But really, this, this whole courtship period, the, the entire month of November, I would say more years than not, nothing really big happens until the winter meetings. And, and there's even been a couple of years where the big names didn't sign until after the winter meetings. So, I mean, we, we saw Doug Fister, uh, you know, reportedly get signed by the Rangers over the weekend. And so that's finally a major league contract that, that, that happened. And maybe that'll loosen up the starting pitching market a little bit, which the Brewers are supposed to be players in. Uh, looking for somebody to fill in the GL role at least for the first part of the season, and hopefully, you know, add into the rotation for more than just a couple of months. Hopefully, you get somebody that's that's good and can and can contribute. But maybe we'll, we'll see some movement there soon. But no, I think that for the most part, it's just the fact that we're eagerly anticipating what could be an active off season uh, on the free agency front for the Brewers, and we'd really like just to see things get started. So there's so much talk about the Brewers being very, very active, and uh, they they've reportedly been in on some pretty big names. Do you think that the Brewers might be able to get one of those big names? Or are Brewers fans maybe getting a little too excited for something that at the end of the day, while yes, they'll be active, maybe they won't be getting uh, any of those high profile kind of guys that are available either via free agency or trade. No, I think that the opportunity to get those guys, I think that. You know, the, the the two factors that I think combine here to help the Brewers in their quest or in their search for top-level starting pitching are the fact that, number one, you've got a ton of money in the budget. And we've seen Marquette Nazio's Brewers support payrolls over $100 million before. So knowing that, coupled with the fact that the Brewers have 
so little committed next year. Yes, you've got your arbitration salary raises and guys getting, you know, stamp raises if they're under three years of service time. And, you know, Ryan Braun's got his contract, but that comes off the books. You've got a ton of money coming off the books and so much space that you can just play with. So they are capable of paying a pitcher basically anything they want to. If they wanted to, you know, make a guy $25 million a year player, they can do that and they can fit it into the budget. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to make that big of an issue for them. Uh, so secondary to that is, I think you've got like the John Lester factor is what I kind of refer to it as in the recent example, where Lester signed with the Cubs in no small part because he saw an opportunity that came on the rise and he wanted to be a part of the team that ended the curse in Chicago in the World Series. So he went there a year early, uh, a year, and he suffered through, you know, not a bad season by any means for him or for the team overall. Um, so maybe tougher is not the right word, but he dealt with a, a season that they came up short, and then eventually when everything was in place down there and everything broke their way, you know, you, you know the results uh, in 2016. So the the fact that the Brewers are on the cusp, they're very well regarded around the league, around the industry, as having a ton of talent and having a, a very bright future for their talent as a conglomerate, and you may have a guy attracted wanting to come to Milwaukee to hopefully bring a championship to the city for the first time in the half century and to the franchise for the first time ever. The Brewers are very analytics-driven. I'm not saying anything that's not uh, already known with David Stearns. And quite honestly, most baseball teams at this point are analytics-driven. The ones that are not are the ones that are in the minority now. But I get the sense from everything we've seen from David Stearns is that he's not... He's not real motivated to push above what he thinks a player is worth. Now, maybe there's going to be some pressure from ownership to go out and make a splash. Maybe there's some other forces in there that we don't know. Maybe because, as you just mentioned, the fact that they do have money to play with. Uh, The term at the end of last season was punching above their weight in terms of what they could spend. But do you see see the Brewers – going into a a bidding war for a free agent player, doesn't matter who it is, but a, a free agent going into a bidding war and winning that and in doing so probably paying them more than what their market value truly would be worth? Uh, that's a very good question. And I would think based on the track record that we've seen of David Stearns, probably not at this point. Uh, unless it's truly transcendent uh, and a guy that you think can absolutely bring you to the next level, it just feels like the Brewers aren't the type to, as you put it, get into a bit of war at this point and really overstep their internal evaluations. So I think that what, the, what they should be paying attention to at this point, uh, well, what Bruce Sanders should be paying attention to at this point from the outside looking in, is I think they will be competitive. I think they will have a point where they'll they would offer, and maybe they would have room to counter-offer. Uh, so it's not kind of a one-and-done thing like uh, we'll all remember when we offered the C.C. Sebastian contract, and he turned it down, uh, and basically the Yankees kind of bit against themselves, and drove that price way sky-high, but the Brewers were kind of out of it after that first initial offer. Show good faith, if you will. Um, I guess it's a different scenario than that. The Brewers could do that, but uh, again, the way Stearns has played, just you know, trading out minor pieces, um, you know, getting the best bang for his buck in, in small trades and big trades. I think that's uh, free agency wise, and, and it's an exciting time. Don't get me wrong, because we don't really know. 
uh, which Stearns will go in terms of free agency. We saw what they did with Eric Thames, you know, giving them a multi-year deal, um, the unique situation coming back from Korea. Um, but to finish the, the point, we don't exactly know how Stearns is going to play in free agency uh, with Marquette Nazio's money. So we have to kind of see how it goes. But I don't think, given his track record elsewhere, uh, that he'll, he'll go too far off, off of the internal evaluation. With all due respect to second base and the bullpen, which are two of the areas of need, we can assume if they are going to push that a little bit, if they are going to overspend, it would be on a starting pitcher. Would you? Would you assume? Uh, would you agree with that uh, general declaration? I would think so. Starting pitching is volatile contracts for sure, and the longer they are, the you know less likely they are to give you positive return on investment. Uh, but yeah, they're they're more likely to overpay for Jake Arrieta, for example, than they are for Neil Walker. Absolutely. Continue to talk with uh, Adam Rigg from the Brewer Nation. So let's let's break this down a, a little bit more from a from a starting pitching standpoint. What do you want to see this team do? Is this a is this a scenario where they need to just bring in one top of the rotation guy? Do you want to see them bring in uh, a top of the rotation guy and also you know another veteran who maybe can be put in at the back end of the bullpen? What are your expectations for what the Brewers will do in acquiring talent this offseason in the starting rotation? Um. I don't exactly know how to answer that, I guess, because I would like to think that given the internal candidates for the rotation right now, you've got four or five guys that if you had to go to war with them, uh, you know, I don't think the DeBruz would be feeling too terribly bad about it, depending on what they do with Josh Hader, you know, whether they would move him back into the rotation or not. But overall, I would think that if you can get a front half of the rotation starter, it doesn't have to be Jake Arrieta, it doesn't have to be Hugh Dottervish, it can be one of those second-tier guys that will still obviously give you good quality innings and give you the chance to win night in and night out more often than not. You know, you don't have to get a, a true number one whether or not you, you consider those guys to be available this offseason. You can get yourself a two and a five if you really want to get two starting pitchers, and be totally fine with that. Upgrading is upgrading, and the beauty of a team sport is that you get net upgrades when you know you get multiple pieces of, of a little bit of a lesser quality. Um, if those pieces are better than what you have, you're getting better overall as a team. As obviously you know that, um, and I'm sure people listening know that. But the point remains: whether or not they get one or two guys, and how good that first tier piece is. Um, I, I think it's something that fits in with what they have, and you know it's it's complementary, and you don't have to sit a good player. Like I wouldn't want, for example, obviously this isn't a position of need, but I wouldn't want to go out and sign a free shortstop because he's a little bit of a better hitter than Orlando Arcia at the expense of having Arcia sit. Yes, or maybe you're getting a little bit more offensive production, but the overall net gain that you're getting and the stunting of the growth of one of your top prospects, et cetera, et cetera, is not worth you know, going out and doing that. So, again, it's all about getting a piece that not only helps you get better, but with what you have around. That's, um, do you see, do you, th- 
I think they're going to make some sort of trade during the course of the the offseason. I don't know how big of a trade it's going to be. I don't know what they're going to acquire, but I just have a hard time believing that they're only going to acquire players via free agency. I got to think there's going to be a trade at some point in time. Do you think that there's a pretty solid chance that maybe one of those top-level prospects in the organization could be exiting for them to be able to go get some uh, quality major league talent? I, I do, and not even necessarily uh, one of the top prospects. I've, I've said for since the beginning of this past baseball season, I thought that Domingo Santana was a, tried, uh, a prime trade candidate, uh, if I could speak here, uh, a prime trade candidate uh, in that he was young and exciting and had a great set of tools and, and high ceiling. Now, as 2017 rolled on and Santana was healthy for the whole season, you really show what he's capable of and why he had that profile. So now I'm not so sure that they would necessarily trade him. If they wanted to go out and make a splash and acquire a starting pitcher via trade, uh, he or perhaps something that you know would replace him if he were to, to leave the team in Santana, uh, those guys could definitely be the line of a trade like that. So I, I agree, though. I don't think that the Brewers are at all, certainly not limiting themselves to free, uh, free agency alone. But I don't think the Brewers are going to be content with just finding whatever piece of free agency they can. If they are able to, you know, maximize their assets by way of getting a uh, trade for a top piece, you know, Chris Archer, Marcus Stroman, those are names that are out there that the, te- uh, the teams are supposedly willing to trade. Um, you know, the Rays and the Blue Jays, respectively, in those two cases. But I think the Brewers absolutely will monitor that market. Uh, make a play in that market. Whether or not something happens, you may not ever hear because of how tight with this Brewers office is uh, under Doug Weldon first and now under David Stern is continuing that. But if they do pull something off, it would not shock me in the least. And with all due respect to Domingo Santana, and he just put together a really solid season, if you do move Santana, at the very least, it opens up a scenario where you do have a starting outfielder group of Braun, Phillips, and Brinson from left to right. I figure that's how they would do it. There, there's certainly some advantage to being able to, you know, it's it, it's this line that you've got to kind of jump across between, you know, being a competitive team and coming off a very good season where you were the best team not to make the playoffs in baseball, but also knowing that you've invested so much in these prospects and whether it's Lewis Brinson who hasn't quite yet accomplished anything at the big league level or a, a Brett Phillips who really had a profound impact on the team in the final month, at some point in time, you do want to open up a door for those guys to be able to walk through and be virtually everyday players. And I argue, I think it would be Brinson and Center and Phillips tonight if those are the students they went with, only because of Brett Phillips' throwing arm. It's the type of value you want in right field if you can get it. But the, the point remains, Brett Phillips, if we can focus on him for just a second, he went into 2017 with a big question mark on his head. Uh, in 2016, was a down year offensively at double A Biloxi, and they challenged him. They put him with a group of prospects at AAA Colorado Springs, and he really answered the bell. He really did good things for himself and for his career and proved at the major league level that he's capable of being a productive player. Uh, defensively alone, it, we saw multiple plays. In his first game, he had the, the outfield assist, and you know, he threw the, the guy at the plate late in the season. Just tremendous defensive ability, and he's, again, at the plate, he's a work in progress still, but he's young, uh, you know, better and whatnot. But the point is, with his profile perhaps being reactivated, that 
probably makes them a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit less worried, I'll, I'll say it that way, to move on from maybe Santana and, and let Phillips play right field because it seems that he's actually, looks like he's going to be a capable major league player. So, you know, however they decide to go about it, you're right, though. Eventually, you want to see if the spoils of this farm system that they've put together that continue to come up to the big league level. We saw Josh Hader last year, granted in the bullpen role, um, but we want to see if those guys are going to be capable of being major league quality players for six years or more, depending on you know, how free agency and arbitration and all that kind of stuff adds together, and how much they end up costing. But they need a nucleus of young talent that's inexpensive that they can afford to go out and get the high first free agents and supplement the team that way. So they're all, all moving parts work together, but they're, it's, they're at the precipice of being very active, uh, potentially if they want to be, and it's certainly an exciting offense for the Bears. Ryan Braun has spoken a couple times over the last uh, month or so, one on WTMJ to Greg Matzik, and then most recently uh, doing the annual uh, Thanksgiving food drive that he comes to Milwaukee for uh, every year, which is uh, which is something great that he does. And he told uh, Adam McAlvey essentially that, uh, you know, he, with this team being so competitive, he's somewhat hopeful that uh, the the trade talks and the idea of him moving to a different team, that at least for the time being, that's going to be in the past. Do you think that's going to be in the past, or are trade rumors going to continue to to swirl around Ryan Braun as long as he's wearing a Brewers uniform? The interesting part about that is number one, Braun kind of indicated, I believe it was in that Matzek uh, interview that he'd only really want to go to the Dodgers. That's really the only place he would approve a trade to. And they really don't need Ryan Braun at this point, given their lineup instruction and whatnot. And the bottom line is, Braun's got 10 and 5 rights, and he's not going anywhere unless he wants to go there. And he said in the past that, you know, if the team came to him and said, this is what's best for us, what's best for you, we would like you to consider this, he said he would consider it. But if he wants to be here, uh, there's really nothing that anybody can do <laughs> to get him to leave. So hopefully the, the trade rumors will die down. If Braun wants to be here again with those rights that he's uh, accomplished in his career, you know, it's a situation that hopefully he can play better uh, without mental issues, you know, not issues, but just that, that pressure of, hey, maybe this is the week that somebody calls, or hey, maybe the next week is the week that uh, they come to me with a trade offer. Hopefully they can just relax and play ball again. And this is, I read on Twitter today, somebody reminded me that uh, this was the first offseason with Braun isn't undergoing some kind of rehab in yeah. quite a while. So hopefully that, too, the, the physical aspect, the mental aspect of the lineup, and he can have uh, a renaissance year like he did a couple seasons ago. It's not that far removed from Ryan Braun being the, the best hitter on the team, you know, in terms of production and talent, not just talent. So if he can do that in 2018, that's going to go a long way to helping that team win ball games. Adam Rigg is continuing to join us from uh, the Brewer Nation. We're going to step aside for just a quick second, come back with our social, or excuse me, with our down on the farm conversation. We're going to keep Adam right here, though, and uh, keep him uh, as we uh, look at the uh, decisions on the 40 man roster. So that is coming up in just a moment. The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. 
Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We do continue on as uh, we are double dipping once again with our uh, guest this week as we continue on into our uh, Down on the Farm report. And specifically, we're going to look at the uh, 40-man roster. Maybe it's not even appropriate to call these guys, uh, call this the Down on the Farm report because now these guys are one step closer to being on the major league roster. But essentially, uh, they are all guys who have yet to be in the big leagues and have all been minor leaguers. So we'll go ahead and uh, put this conversation into uh, this segment. Adam, appreciate uh, you sticking with us. Uh, This past week, uh, the decision had to be made on what players would be placed onto the 40-man roster to protect them from being eligible from the Rule 5 draft. Uh, The Brewers move four up. Mauricio Dubon, Freddie Peralta, Marcos Diplon, and uh, Jacob Nottingham no surprise on any of those four guys. I think we all could have predicted that those four would all be uh, added to the 40-man roster. We'll get back to those four in a second. Was there anybody who was not placed onto the 40-man roster who has now been left exposed for the Rule 5 draft that you would have liked to have seen uh, get placed on the 40-man? Is this rocking stump for Nick Ramirez, who's not even with the organization anymore? And still, I, I need to talk to you, sir, if I ever can get his ear. That just confuses the heck out of me. Why he, he was let go as a minor league free agent and not considered for that extra spot? But um, overall, no, not really. I guess or from the the crop of guys that's um, exposable or exposed this year and would need to be protected. Those are the four guys that really made the most sense. Um, next year, hold <laughs> another story. So if we're talking a year from now, there's a lot of mess to clean up. But um, that just makes that that group made the most sense for now. You, you've got guys like, and this is probably a good spot to point out. You've got guys like Corbin Burns, uh, you know, high profile type names that have he won the Brewers minor league pitcher of the year this year, uh, but he's not eligible for the Rule Five draft yet, which is why he doesn't need to be put on uh, the forty man roster, which is why he wasn't. So they can wait on those guys a little bit longer. Um, but no, to, to run about answer your question in a too long fashion, <laughs> uh, those four were the, the Here's my assessment on these guys. I think there's a pretty, I think I would expect to see Mauricio Dubon in a Brewers uniform at some point this upcoming season. I think there's a a chance that Freddie Peralta gets there, but we, I I would think we're still maybe, you know, I I don't think Jacob Nottingham's going to get there this upcoming season. Same thing with uh, Marcos Dipland. Would you uh, agree, disagree with my general assessment? No, uh, generally I agree. Um, Give it to Dubon on the open day roster. I think uh, in, in a scenario you know, where maybe a guy gets hurt or he really performs well in spring training, he's the type of guy that could be versatile even if he's coming in off the bench. Um, but generally, I think you're right. Jacob Nottingham, depending on what they do with the catching, they've got five catchers on the 40 man roster, which is a lot yeah. for, for most organizations. So if they don't tender Stephen Vogt contract, and maybe they go with Randy Pena as your starter, Jet Mandy as your backup, and Sussac and Nottingham splitting time with Triple A. Then maybe Nottingham's a guy who you see come up um, in the case of an injury or an ineffective play or maybe late in the year. But yeah, otherwise, um, I, I think you're right on. Diffron's too far away. I think that they protected him. Um, not only is he talented and, and worthy of protection, but I think they saw what happened last year uh, when the Padres uh, grabbed the guy from A ball, and they wanted to make sure that didn't happen again. So. Um, but no, generally, uh, I think you're spot on. Mar- you mentioned Mauricio Dubon, and I think 
I think you're right in saying that it, it would. I, I, I'm not totally quoting you, but the idea of him making the opening day roster very much would probably depend on an injury. I guess if he really just kills it in spring training, uh, there's a chance. I would almost be more comfortable with him starting the season at AAA again next year just to kind of reinforce what he was able to do in his uh, time at AAA this past season. You know, go, go. Get, you know, put another month up like that. They're still going to be at Colorado Springs. You still have the chance for those offensive numbers, and then eventually get called up. Where Where do you lean on that? Are you excited about the potential of him maybe being part of that opening day roster, or could uh, a little bit of time in AAA to start the season make sense for him? Yeah, I don't think it would hurt him. Um, he didn't have the full season uh, this last year um, to, to really showcase everything he's capable of doing. Uh, plus, a guy like that who, more likely than not, will come up with some versatility uh, as part of his game plan. Um, maybe he'll start on the bench and, and fill in the third, short, and second. So you can go down to AAA for a little bit, um, just get yourself back into the groove of the season, and you know work at all of the defensive positions that you'll be called on for at the major league level before coming up. But no, ultimately, I think that they moved it on primarily to a second base profile. Um, once he and our steel were at the same level, so that uh, once they acquired Dubon, I should say, uh, in the first place, once he had to work with different guys, um, he was more second base heavy because they saw that that was a future hole on the major roster. And we're seeing that right now. Maybe Jonathan VR gets, uh, gets the ball, so to speak, to open the season. Maybe they find somebody free. So maybe they trade for an Ian Kinsley or somebody, a D Gordon, you know, the names that are out there at second base. Um, but they could very easily. Um, go young there, but ultimately no. Uh, if Dubon starts at AAA, I don't think it's going to hurt him or the team anyway. Alright, let me finish you off with this. When you look at guys who almost 100% assuredly will be in the minor leagues next year, is Corey Ray the guy who's got the most to prove of anybody, or is there uh, are there other players you can think of that would go in that category? Um... Good question. Um, while, while I'm thinking, I will say that Ray definitely fits that. His, he, he's a work in progress, and, and he's not like, granted, he, ca- he came out of college at Louisville, and he, he was supposed to be this, you know, fast rising through the system. Not everybody does that, you know, so he's had a little bit of a slower go. He started him at high A ball right after they signed him, and, you know, he's had a little bit of a slower build, so to speak. But he's still fitting the timeline of a top prospect and he's got plenty of time to overcome some of the uh, issues that he's had uh, as his, in his time as a professional so um, he definitely does have some, some stuff to prove this year uh, don't get me wrong but the jury is certainly not back yet on, uh, on Corey Ray's future overall outside of that um, maybe there's a couple of guys that you'd want to see a little bit more from um, around the diamond I mean you've got a guy like a little bit old Andrew Suzak, for example, has done virtually nothing since they acquired him from the Giants. Um, you got the other guy in that trade, Phil Bickford, who is a pretty good profile as a, as a prospect before they acquired him, and then you know had his uh, recreational drug suspension uh, reportedly, and so he needs to definitely prove something this year. We're going to continue to, to spend time and resources on him. Um, but outside of that, I mean, you've got other guys that really answered the bell very well this year. Um, you know, maybe a guy like Jake Gatewood, you want to see him continue to build. Uh, not that he has much to prove as he did coming into last year, uh, but you want to see him continue to build on the progress that he made, um, 
but there's up and down the back of the system. Uh, I mean, there's guys that you would like to see more out of, of course, but um, one random example, like Tucker Newhouse, for example, I think it was a fifth round pick when he was drafted. I might be really wrong on that. That's what's in my head. Um, he's had an injury-filled minor league career, um, played an off-season in Australia uh, two winters ago, um, I believe it was. I mean, it was last winter, not this winter. But the point is that there's a guy's littered you know, throughout the annals of baseball history that have a ton of talent, but we're never able to realize that talent based on injury or opportunity or a combination of the two. So, yeah, there's that's why the minor leagues, following the minor leagues is so interesting um, from just a, a macro perspective because you can see these guys as, as they try to get through the system and get through under their own wares um, and really see what's, you know, they're able to do one opportunity for themselves. It's, it's really fascinating sometimes. He is Adam Rigg from the Brewer Nation at Brewer Nation on Twitter. Make sure to follow him. If you're listening to this podcast, there's probably a 99% chance that you already do follow him. But if you're in that 1% that has Twitter and does not follow at Brewer Nation, you certainly need to uh, start following him. Uh, Adam, it's always good to talk. Thank you uh, so much. Uh, we'll talk, I'm sure, uh, at least a couple more times over the course of uh, the off season, especially once it starts picking up around the uh, course of the winter meetings. Absolutely, yeah, the winter meetings, and then we got Brewers on deck uh, in January, and everything's kind of ramping up here. And spring training starts earlier next year, so it's going to be good. But just before I, I go, I just wanted to say a quick shout-out to uh, my thoughts, and, and definitely my prayers are with uh, Javier Bettencourt uh, with the music. Uh, came out on him. I don't know if you touched on it in the podcast before you here or not, but this was what's going on with him. You can find it online if you haven't um, heard, but just definitely thoughts with him as he's going through uh, what he went through down as well. Yeah, absolutely. We touched on it during our headlines of the week, just the fact that he was uh, he was shot. The good news, though, it sounds like he is stable. So, um, you know, you, you never want to see somebody in that sort of situation. Uh, the fact that it happened uh, outside of the United States almost makes it even more scary. Uh, but because you're kind of out of control of it, but uh, you're right. Obviously, thoughts and prayers for him and uh, also his family. Absolutely. So yeah, but on that note, uh, better weeks ahead in the winter here. But uh, always nice talking to you, man. Thanks. That is Adam Rigg, and we appreciate him taking some time with us today, doing uh, double duty in uh, both segments today, both in the social media conversation and down on the farm. That is going to do it. For this week's edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, we are powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thank you, as always, for listening. Again, if you have any comments uh, overall on the podcast or if you just want to comment on something that we talked about, you can always do so by tweeting at me, at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air is the best way to get in contact with me. We'll talk to you next week for another edition. It's Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.